Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Salutations, possums. Today, we have a very special episode for you. We are joined by Tom Christ of Fancy Injury Team. You can go to their website. It is awesome. I went on a deep dive on it today. And I mean, Tom, I'll let you explain your website a little bit. But uh, the information on there is so valuable. And I think as fantasy football players, we need to understand the injuries uh, a little bit better. I think all of us have a general understanding of it. We read the blurb here and there. But today, we're going to dive into it. So follow Tom at Fantasy Injury T. And uh, Tom, introduce yourself, man. You're, Thanks you're awesome. for having me on, guys. I'm happy to be here. Uh, yes, so Tom Christ, Dr. Physical Therapy. I run the Fantasy Injury Team. You can find us at fantasyinjuryteam.com. We also have the Fantasy Injury Team podcast, which is on all, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, everywhere. Um, right now, we're dropping all kinds of positional previews. So we just finished our running back series where we talked about the injury history to a number of running backs and how that may or may not influence their production this upcoming season. But also we're talking about all the guys that are coming back from season ending injuries, Brees Hall, Javante Williams, and you know, the rest. And then in season every week on Thursday mornings, we drop a uh, episode to talk about relevant players who are potentially going to play in the upcoming week as they deal with injuries, but also guys who got injured in the prior week and kind of what their injury outlook is like and how it may affect the rest of their season. That is awesome, man. I such valuable information. I dove on your website and you have comparisons of guys, you know, after their first game back after an injury, first two to three games back. I mean, that was absolutely phenomenal. So I encourage everyone to check out your website, especially if one of your guys is dealing with one of these injuries. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, everyone just hears ACL, bad, Achilles, bad. And then they're like, LCL, what the fuck does that mean? Like, nobody has any <laughs> clue. And then there's these other injuries that, like, honestly, like Brock Purdy's injury, which, yeah, of, like, like the Tommy John surgery that he went through or see, like, I don't even, like, I don't even know. But, like, that was a unique injury to football. So, I mean, there's a lot of injuries yes. that, like, people know of and they're like, ACL's bad, obviously. And then they're like, well, what about these other injuries? And I think that's the biggest thing is when we yeah. have a new one, Achilles kind of popped up out of nowhere too. Mm -hmm. And and what we're finding, this is, this is my second year um, running the fantasy injury team. And what we're finding is that with the medical background and experience, reading between the lines of what the beat writers and the coaches are saying is a lot uh, more effective for me than it would be for, the average person. And, and, and I, I think that is really valuable at all phases of the year. Um, Cause you know, every like March, 
There's a player who like just had surgery. It's a major surgery and everyone's like, oh yeah, he's gonna be ready week one. And it's like, is he really though? And, uh, and then throughout the season, you know, there's so much coach speak. It's part of the strategy of these teams is to not really be totally transparent with injuries. Um, Jamar Chase last year is a great example. I remember there was one week where um, the coaching staff was like, yeah, we think he's going to play this week. But then there's reports that he's literally still on crutches and not weight bearing on his leg. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way he's playing this week. And sure enough, there's another two weeks before you return to the field. So even just little things like that, just being able to interpret what the news is saying is something that I think uh, that we really have been able to provide value with. So which which are your least favorite teams of like this per- this team's going to give us nothing? We have zero to go off of. Like Pete which are the teams? Carroll. Hmm. <laughs> Carroll. He's fully he- expecting Belichick. Uh, yeah, he doesn't give you much either. But Pete, so Pete gives you content though. It's just never useful or accurate. <laughs> he just makes stuff up. It's hilarious. It's actually like it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's what was bothering him. He's like, it says he's got a shoulder injury. <laughs> yeah, Charbonnet is a perfect example. Pete said he's out indefinitely, which sounds bad. <laughs> and then, like a week later, he's practicing in full. That's yeah, not helpful at all. Okay, well, here is why we brought Tom on today. We are draft season is fully like underway. I mean, it, the, most drafts are starting. They're going to be within the next week and a half to two weeks before the season gets going. And you probably out there don't know which of these players that are quote unquote injured that you should actually be drafting and like how long are they going to be out or how injured were they? Or was there an injury from last season that was affecting a player that this season might have a different outlook than what they looked like last season. Thinking of like Najee Harris as an example. Um, so we're just pretty much just going to grill Tom with a whole bunch of players that you probably are thinking about drafting. And this will give you whether you need to draft them or you probably need to look elsewhere. So Josh, I'm going to give you the first player to kick off to Tom. So who do you want to hear about first? All right. So this is my guy. Uh, I, this is why I want you, I'm, I'm prefacing that so you don't rip on him too hard, but no, honestly, I, <laughs> I really am excited to see like Javante Williams, like at the moment, like he, the way he's come back and progressed from this, the fact that he actually took snaps in a preseason game coming back from an ACL injury last year, less than a year ago. Uh, it wasn't an ACL, MCL and LCL or something. along It those was lines. an so- ACL, LCL and posterior lateral corner. So a very involved injury. Yeah. So uh, how, how, how are you surprised by how fast he recovered? I mean, oh, yeah. with Brees Hall a couple weeks later, having an, an assume just an ACL injury um, and him really not looking fully healthy. I mean, they traded for Dalvin cook. We've seen all what they've like, not feeling safe about it, but Javante is on the field at the moment. I mean, are we, is this going to be not the, I don't know. Is this going to be out of the ordinary for the ACL tear coming back? I want to make sure everybody listening understands that this is remarkable that he didn't start on pup and that he is ready to go. And this is an absolute testament to how hard he has worked. There's no way to be ready to go without working your absolute butt off rehabbing this injury. This is such an involved injury um, that typically we're looking at 12 to 15 months to return to play. He's going to do it in a little over 10, which is just incredible. Now, with that, I, it's an amazing story. I'm so proud of him, so happy for him. But I do think that we need to temper our expectations for this season. 
historically, my data goes back to 2017. Running backs in their first season after an ACL tear see a decline, a 35% decline in their points per game compared to their pre-injury level. That's pretty significant. Now, that's obviously an average, so you have people on each side of that. So I'm not saying that you're going to see that number for Javante, especially with this uh, offense, the way Sean Payton likes to throw the ball to running backs. That's where his value, I think, is going to come and just how well-designed this offense is for running backs. But from an actual athleticism standpoint, I do think it's going to take the full season for him to get back to 100%. Um, he's a guy that we know really great at break, breaking tackles. I wouldn't be surprised if that's not, not quite where it was pre-injury. Um, <clears throat> but from purely a fantasy standpoint, if he's seen that receiving upside that we saw last week, he could still have a nice season. I think we just need to temper our expectations of him being as good as he was before getting injured last year. It's currently so going at wide receiver 30 and in the sixth round of drafts. So I, I feel like just the way he, the, I mean, and that probably will boost now that we saw him in the preseason too. But yeah, I think that's going to, I think you'll see him going fifth round probably. To me, that's a little early. I, I, I'm fine with him in the sixth round though, as like an RB2 flex. So is this the Saquon Barkley thing where Saquon Barkley, it took him a year to get back to where yep. he ended up being? Is it, is it kind of a similar thing to that? Yeah, Saquon, Dalvin, and and many before. Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles are the two that have really balled out in their first year back. And they are both, I mean, we we know that they are some of the most elite athletes to ever right. walk this earth. And I'm not saying that Javante's not, but I think most people would say that Adrian Peterson's athletic profile is a little bit superior to Javante's. Uh, but yeah, we we often see that it's really year two and and um, in year two, we see a decline of only 15% points per game compared to the pre-injury value with a number of running backs meeting or exceeding their pre-injury baseline. The other thing to consider is that injury rates, even, even not, not even talking ACL injury rates, but like hamstring and calf injuries in particular are quite elevated after an ACL tear. We saw that with Chris Godwin right away last year. Uh, Dalvin Cook struggled with that and, and a number of others. So there's definitely there's still concern for Javante. There's no question that he's far out, out exceed far exceeding expectations thus far. And, and I hope that he continues to do so. But there's definitely still some questions. Naturally, I think you absolutely like you put your weight on the other leg naturally a little bit more. And that's whenever like kind of like pushing yourself a little bit too hard might actually cause other injuries. We've You see it all the time, just in day-to-day life, you know, you have your ankle kind of tweaks and all of a sudden your, your hip, left hips hurting on the other yep. side. So. Yeah. See it every day. I'm sure you do. Well, kind of in that same vein, uh, can we just get to Brees Hall then? Because I feel like this is kind of this, a similar, a very, very similar story maybe to Brees Hall. So can you kind of give us a rundown on what we should expect from him this season? Yeah. So, Brees Hall was a couple weeks later, his injury, which means his surgery was a few weeks later as well. Um, But his was ACL only. There was some meniscus involvement, but it doesn't sound like that was repaired. The difference here, when it's purely an ACL that it's repaired, you can be more aggressive with range of motion from this start, and you could fully weight bear on that leg from the start usually. 
if there's other stuff involved, the first six weeks of rehab is delayed pretty substantially. We're talking not cleared for full range of motion. And in that's usually over four or six weeks, depending on how much else was involved. That can be an issue because for certain people, their biology just leads to scar tissue development and stiffness that is sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. That's what JK Dobbins dealt with last year. And he had to have that other procedure because he just did not have full range of motion. And we know he had a very involved surgery where the initial six weeks is a lot slower with the rehab. It's a lot less aggressive. The other thing is when there's a lot of other tissues involved, you're not weight bearing as, as soon. Like you're either fully off of that leg for two, four, six weeks, depending on how the surgeon wants to do it, or you're only putting a little bit of weight through. Whenever you're not putting full weight through a leg, those muscles are going to rapidly weaken. I mean, rapidly weaken. And it just, it just makes it longer to get back to 100%. So those are some more of the concerns with Javante and why it's just so remarkable that he is back. And Brees Hall didn't have to deal with any of that, though. So his was purely an ACL repair. So he hit the ground running faster right away. Um, And from his, he has an incredibly impressive athletic profile as well. Super young. So out of anybody in the past several years who has the potential to meet or exceed their pre-injury points per game baseline. I think it was Brees Hall until they brought in Dalvin Cook. That obviously makes it like his volume is going to decrease because of that. But I do think that Brees has a chance to reach his um, his peak athleticism this season. I think it's I would still bet against it, but not by much. So I don't I, I have no problems with people drafting Brees this year with expe- expectations of him really contributing to their fantasy team. Um, I do think the Dalvin situation throws a wrench in that, though. Still, I think yeah. people will be happy to know that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it really comes down to what we think that split is going to look like. I mean, I would assume with what I'm hearing from you that if Brees is good to go, and uh, I know you do some work for 32B riders and stuff, but they were saying – He's cutting. He looks great out there, um, kind of full speed and everything. Would you now, suggest maybe like we, Well, what we haven't seen from Brees is really his change of direction with a defender. So that's the hard thing with an ACL. Like we saw the reports a month or two ago that he was hitting 23 miles an hour. That's fine, but that's a straight line. That's so much easier to get back than stop and go and change direction. So we really haven't seen everything yet for Brees because he hasn't played in a preseason game like Javante has. Um, and I think they'll probably bring him on slowish, but by the end of the season, I think they want, they will probably want to have Brees Hall getting most of the load with Dalvin still playing a pretty substantial role. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to ask you, uh, I, I spent a ton of time in the training room. Um, it was mostly as the patient never as the professional. Uh, but there are two injuries that I, I'm really going to ask you about today. But I mean, the first one is going to be Najee Harris. Uh, I, I preached on here last year, he, the Liz Frank was killing him on there. And, you know, I was on your website today and Etienne missed the season with that injury. Uh, Najee was clearly banged up from it. And then sometimes you see these guys just stuff it through and play the whole season and really not see much of a dip. Um, how, how do you think, um, if something like that were to happen to someone this year, how do you kind of diagnose what 
the future will be with that. Is there like a different grade to those or it's, it's a, it's a challenging one because with Najee's, it wasn't enough that he needed surgery. Whereas ETN Bateman's, they did need surgery. Now, both of them, it was a fracture of one of the bones in the midfoot and Najee's I believe was just a sprain of the ligament. So the, the Liz Frank is like, it's almost like an umbrella term for a for for like the midfoot joints, which have bones and ligaments. Um, when there's a fracture, like that thing has to heal, and it usually needs a surgery to heal, and then it's a long rehab process. So that's what ETN's situation was. That's what Bateman's situation was. When it's a ligament, it can go either way. If it's severe enough that compromises the structure of the foot then they're going to need surgery. But sometimes you can put an orthotic device, which, which was something that Najee did, that he had a little plate in his shoe that can provide the, the foot's arch support for you. Now, that's nobody wants that. It's not comfortable. And the midfoot where the Liz Frank is is, is a, a super influential part in running and walking and cutting and everything. So I wouldn't doubt that last year he didn't have probably didn't have his full power, agility, athleticism simply because his foot hurt and it didn't have its full integrity. Um, with a year to rehab and heal, I, I think that's probably much better now. So I think that he's probably in a better athletic spot and a better ability to plant and cut off of that foot aggressively. Um, possibly some increased risk for re-injury though but Najee Harris in two years in the league hasn't missed a single game from injury and we know that um he can he can run he can catch he can kind of do it all not the most efficient player but a guy that can handle a, a large volume he's only been in the league for two years so it's not like he's taken on too much volume at this point to where we would really be concerned thing i love about Najee is there's everybody like has this like everybody thought he was going to be amazing and and he has been okay you know and nobody everybody's just off of him now i mean he's still up there in the second third round of drafts and everything but like to see him actually this i mean this team is brand new like all around and just to see Najee out there fully healthy instead of having a nagging foot injury which i don't think really a lot of people knew because they didn't really talk about it it was one of those things that it was just like no not a problem uh you know he, he's fine he's healthy he's played every game but the one thing I love about Najee, and especially as a you know third round pick, if possible, consistency. Like you're getting ten points out of him every time, and people get mad at like, ah, he should have gotten thirty. And I'm like, man, you know, you know how hard it is to find someone who's going to score at least double digits every time. Like, right. I, love, I love it personally. Well, I showed you that clip. Well, I sent to our group today that uh, on Bill Simmons' podcast, Matthew Barry was doing a fantasy preview and mentioned that Najee Harris's range of outcomes could be from solid starter to Trent Richardson. And I was just <laughs> like, Oh no, we could throwing around the name Trent Richardson just brought like, I was like, my eyes like widened immediately. I was like, Oh my God, I, you can't evoke that name around a running back. It's just, it's a disaster. If you say that That's name blasphemy. kind of context. The yeah, funniest thing is, like, comps usually are good things. Like, you know, usually people yeah. are trying to find the next Tyree Kill or the next, you know, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson type or whatever. But to to comp someone to he did good in college and he's a bust in the NFL. And I'm like, calm down, man. Like, running running back twenty is not that bad. I'm sure he's not going at his ADP, but like, just, Barry Barry's not a fan of Najee this year. Let's just I say that the, the podcast he was very very down on him. So. 
The berry bump down. The berry bump down. It's, it's the odd bump. We down. haven't seen that one in a while. No, we sure haven't. Wow. Um, well, let's just jump off. I'm going to rip the bandaid off here and we're going to get into, we're going to get into some real controversial stuff. We're going to talk about, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I was going to say something. We're going to get that little ticker on our thing again. I'm not going to do it, Don't do but it. let's get into controversial and let's talk about Tua. Um, he had his back injury, uh, week 13 or week three. And then in week four had the concussion that looked freaking terrible. Um, what should this guy play football again? Is he at risk for this? I mean, more so than anyone else would be. I mean, obviously, like anyone's at risk for a concussion in the National Football League. But what is your take on Tua and uh, his, you know, mental health? I almost at that point, like, yeah. So with concussions, the the problem is that the a, a prior concussion is going to increase the risk for a second for or subsequent concussions. Because the threshold or, or the amount of stimulus, the, the how hard you need to get hit, declines. So less of an impact can bring on a subsequent concussion when prior concussions have occurred. And also the severity of them can be worse. And in, in football terms, that could mean the length of absence. If we saw his, his other concussion, um, he, he missed like a whole month or so. So, yeah, definitely increased risk uh, compared to this time last year for a concussion for for Tua. And um, that's something that if Miami wants him to be their franchise quarterback for the next 10 years, they have got to invest in offensive linemen every single offseason to protect him. Um, We know that he can play and that he's got an incredible, incredible receiving core. So... So I definitely see the value in fantasy and um, there's, there's inherent risk of course, as there is with anybody. Um, but it's the, here's the, the challenging thing. It's going to be unpredictable because this isn't the type of injury that he goes into the game, potentially like a little bit banged up, but wants to play through it. But that type of injury carries a risk to, to exit the game, like a hamstring, like going into the game with a hamstring would, this is either going to happen or it's not going to happen. And there's no way to predict that. Um, definitely a, an elevated risk compared to where he was last year, though, simply because it's going to take less of a hit to bring on a concussion. So, so Tom, if you, if you if you were advising Tua, would you advise him to keep playing professional football? If it was up to you, if you were in the patient's room with him, what would you recommend? What would be your... Um, well, first I would make sure that a like concussion specialist neurologist is part of the discussion. Um, but I would just, I think our job is to make sure that he's aware of the risks and make the decision himself, just provide him the best education you can on the potential risks of more concussions, more brain injuries, and let him decide, okay, I'm okay with those risks. I love this game. It's my life. I'm okay with potential issues down the road or whatever. Uh, it just, I think that's our role is to make sure that he's aware of all the education that we can provide him. So let's say he does get a concussion next year. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't know what, wouldn't know what the severity of that is, but just in general, do you think he would, for, for all those people who've already drafted Tua or thinking about drafting Tua or have him on their dynasty league, will he miss more than one game if he gets a concussion? 
I mean, I know that without the severity, it's hard to say. Yeah, but, uh, but he's more likely to miss more time because right. of his concussion history. I think that's the best way I can answer that question. I figured that would be the, the answer, but I figured at least it'd be something that to know, like if that does happen, which once again, can't happen to anyone in the National Football League, but someone who has that history. So thanks. Thanks, Tom. No problem. I think one on your website, one of the most interesting things that I was reading is about the rate of re-injury in certain things. Um, you know, like I, I listened to your show uh, yesterday and you were talking about Cooper Cup and how hamstrings and hamstring injuries have a much higher rate of reoccurring. Can you touch on that really quick? Just to, yeah. So if we do see that hamstring tag pop up on our guys. Yeah. So the thing with hamstrings, it's, it's hard to one know when it's a hundred percent ready to go back to playing. It's, there's just not a surefire <laughs> way to careful. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also it's such a big, powerful muscle that gets stressed with the running motion. So when your leg is fully forward about to strike the ground, the hamstring is getting stressed. Big time. And what do football players do? They run a lot and as fast as they can. And we know that the load on the hamstring is at its maximum at the top flight speed. So that's part of the challenge with the recurrence of hamstrings is that is that it just gets stressed so much with running. And when there's an injury, especially in professional sports, players, when they return, that tissue is not at 100% of the strength and capacity that it was pre-injury. So where it might be 85% there and it doesn't hurt anymore, it's not able to take on the same forces as it was pre-injury. So while they might feel good in practice, when the adrenaline's pumping and they're really running as fast as they can to get away from a defender or whatever, they may stress the hamstring enough that it pops back up. It's just super hard to predict when this is going to happen. And we know that the rates are really high. The presence of a hamstring injury, when you return from that in the same season, there's a five times increased risk of an exacerbation. And we see that all the time, like Kadarius, Tony, Keenan Allen last year, prime examples. Um, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a tissue that is so used in the running motion that it's hard to compensate in a way that wouldn't overstress it so I, I i don't mean to segue immediately but i mean we're literally already talking about hamstrings and we had a huge one today or you know yesterday if you're listening to this on the pod uh jerry judy of course mm -hmm. and i do think the reports got a little bit blown out of proportion because they're like he was carted off he walked to the sideline and then he was carted to the medical locker so uh but i mean how are you what are we expecting from him this season at this point? I mean, obviously there's a risk for missing games. Uh, we see that, but like not even the re-risk re -risk injury, uh, but like, are we going to see the same Jerry Judy that we saw at the end of the year last year? Yeah. Well, first on that cart um, perspective, I've been seeing that a lot this year. Like a lot of players are just well, getting I, carted off for, for what sounds like it's worse than. Yeah. It, like, I think it's just, I think it's just people being uh, cautious, like overly cautious. Cause it's practice. Like why not yeah. cart them off? You don't have to stop the game. It's not delaying anything. It's practice. So right. uh, as Alan Iverson yeah. would say, it's and not gas is cheap. So, you know, gas is cheap these days. So. <laughs> yeah. Let's get the card out there. Let's get it going. 
I will um, be you just panic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just that's the report on every mm-hmm. Twitter or anything yeah. you'll see. Carted off the field, guys. He's fucking dead. He died on the field. It's like, dude, yeah. calm down. Like, he got carted. He walked to the sideline, then carted. And the, to be fair, he did have troubles getting onto the cart, which a hamstring makes sense or whatever. But yeah. uh, that's beside the point. Sorry. I'll, I'll do that all day, tangents and everything. But uh, just in general, like what, like, what are we looking at with Jerry Judy? Not just the, hey, he's probably going to miss a week or two, but like, what else is this going to linger? I mean, the, obviously the re risk of injury is a, is a case, but like, is he going to be full? I, I mean, what, what would your logic be on this? Um, well, to be honest, I, I literally just got home from work. So I have not really had the opportunity oh, to, to read up on him. I saw the notification on my phone, but I haven't been able to dive into it too much, but it looks like it's moderate severity. There are, I think I saw a report and you guys can let me know what all you've seen in the reports, but I think that I saw a status for week one's in doubt, um, which if it's a moderate severity, I'd expect more like four to six week absence. Um, They say in question at the moment, to be fair, there really hasn't been much report other than what we've already talked about. And then that, so. Except Josh expected everything about it, Tom. Yeah, I expected yeah. you to like not be working and doing your job and helping all the people who get all the <laughs> medical attention. He wanted job. you to fly straight into Denver and check it out real quick. Oh yeah, I should be there Next with him. I'm asking you about Russell Wilson, so no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, in general, just I just it just happened, so it's it's newsworthy in the in the sense. Yeah, that, I mean, just an injury, not knowing any of the knowledge of what happened today. Like, I mean, a moderate hamstring injury what two weeks before the season starts yeah not what you want to hear at all (laughs) at all um based off what you just told me i would expect like him to miss at least the first two three games of the season and then possibly be on a snap count when he does return now denver's in an interesting situation because they also lost tim patrick who i always liked watching him play i thought he was a sound player so you're on the right you're in the right company right now their uh their depth at that receiving position is starting to dwindle so that'll be interesting to see how they manage judy when he does return are they going to give him more snaps than they would like to simply from a depth standpoint which would not be a good idea uh for for a re-injury um reducing re-injury risk but if they are smart about it he probably will not be full go in the first game or two back. So it might be week five before we really see Jerry Judy popping off. Um, and even then still carries that increased risk for re-injury. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, all right. I let's just get to the player that he may be hurt. He may not be, we don't know yet. And that's Jonathan Taylor. Um, he claims to have a back injury. I'm sure there's a litany of other injuries that he's going to have popping up throughout the season. If the back thing doesn't stick. So Tom, is he actually hurt from what you're hearing? Or is this maybe just a little ploy to maybe not, you know, be on the Colts anymore? It's hard to know, um, but so let's talk about what we do know. We do know that he had not one, not two, but three high ankle sprains on the same ankle last year, like it recurred twice. That's not good. We don't like high ankle sprains. They are a pain in the ass. 
what they do. And in order to understand why, I think we need to understand the anatomy. So we have the two shin bones, the tibia, which is the one in the front, and the fibula, which is the one back and to the side. They are connected together by a very thick tissue called the syndesmosis. And that alignment is really important for the foot and ankle function. It allows the foot to fit nice and snug, or the ankle to fit nice and snugly together, which allows us to create a lot of power when we push off, when we run, cut, whatever. With a high ankle sprain that's severe enough, those bones now separate from each other, and that syndesmosis tissue that's holding them together is torn to some degree. It's like part of it gets torn. So now we start to lose some stability in the ankle, which makes it hard to push off. So imagine with a normal ankle, you're pushing off on turf where it's nice and solid. With a unstable ankle, you're pushing off on sand. You're not creating the same power. That may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think that creates the point at least. Now, Taylor had surgery in January, which with the high ankle sprain, we often hear about the tightrope. Tightrope procedure is awesome because it pulls those bones right back together where they need to be. And they're not going anywhere because there's a rope that's literally holding them together. Taylor didn't have that. He had a debridement or a clean out surgery. So that probably, I, I don't know why they chose that. I, I'm sure the surgeon had a good reason. I'm sure it was the appropriate surgery to be done, but my interpretation of that is that his sprain was enough that it tore enough stuff that there was pain and irritation and inflammation from little flaps of tissue being torn off, but it, that it wasn't severe enough to do the tightrope procedure. So that to me puts him in a little bit of a limbo where we really have no way of knowing how it's going to respond to just rehab, because if it's severe enough, it may never be 100% with just rehabbing it, but if it's not severe enough to warrant the tightrope procedure, we don't really know. All of that would have been fine. I would have been totally okay hearing that. There's plenty of running backs who have had high ankle sprains and come back and play football at a really high level, but we're still hearing about it seven, eight months later. So to me, that is a concern at the moment. Is some of that really just like a contract thing probably but i think if it was purely a contract thing i don't know that we would even be hearing about this ankle so yeah. i'm i'm concerned at the moment but the second he passes a physical and i see video of him looking good my concern will go down dramatically but at the, today if i was drafting i'm not taking him until like round five simply because i don't know what to expect yeah, and I mean, it's, it's also probably like a part of the trade is he's got to pass a physical for the new team. So you would think that they're allowing him to seek a trade, that he's going and telling teams how he feels, but maybe the Colts maybe know something different, and that's why they haven't signed him long-term. That interested to – wish I was behind closed doors um, to know. Yeah. Maybe Jim Mercer will just throw it out someday. He'll just throw out the <laughs> He might, <laughs> honestly. He might get sued if he does that, but he might. Ah, what, what does he care? Yeah. That'll be the really interesting thing with Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, again, deep dove on your site, man. I nerded out for a long time. How does that play with the kinesiology of the back? Because we're starting to hear the back ah, thing. He yes. said he doesn't have it at all. But how does that play in? Because 
when I read that, I'm very invested in Jonathan Taylor. I took him in the Kings Classic, and uh, now I'm very worried. And after hearing that, and plus what I you know think is going on, just go yeah. on to that, please. So the ankle is our shock absorber, right? Like your car has a suspension system. Our ankle is one of our primary shock absorbers. When there's a history of significant injuries or multiple injuries, here's what we see. At first, when it sprains, we see it get like way too mobile, like unstable. And then the body lays down, like improperly lays down scar tissue and it becomes too stiff. I see people every single day who have knee, hip or back injuries. And I go and look at their ankles and like one of them is not moving. And I ask them about their history and they're like oh yeah like I, I broke my ankle and then after that i started having knee pain hip pain back pain all on the same side they always say it's all on the same side um so when i hear about him having a back injury which again we don't know if that's true or not he says it's not true so i, I don't want to go too much down that rabbit hole and speculate but it's certainly possible that a existence of three prior high ankle sprains on the same ankle could have led to a stiffness in that ankle or too much mobility in that ankle that's going to alter mechanics up the leg into the back that could lead to excessive force or motion through the back that could cause some discomfort no that's awesome because when uh when i first heard the back thing i you know i had the same reaction as everyone else like he's just trying to get out of playing and everything but you know after listening to you it's like maybe there's more to this that they're not telling us that nothing's going on or that there actually is something going on. There. Yeah, and, and we really don't know, which is why I don't want to make too much of it. But I just just for the information, like I, I do see ankles affecting backs all the time. Okay, awesome. That's interesting because they were going to put them on the non-football injury list, right? And that was what the back was. So it's interesting if that was related to the ankle. Jonathan Taylor is probably like, you know what? This actually was a football-related injury. It wasn't just off on my own right. goofing off. It's the ankle that did that to me. So that, that is interesting. So um, real quick, I, this is another injury that I myself have suffered. And uh, it, broken wrist. Um, I actually <laughs> broke the scaphoid bone. And it was very similar to what we saw with JSN, how he came down with that outstretched hand. Is there any chance that that is a scaphoid that is going oh, yeah. to you? Oh, for sure. There's um, just not anything out on that. Almost definitely. I'm pretty sure I saw a report that it said it was the bone near his thumb, which the scaphoid is near the thumb. Um, I actually had the exact same injury. You know, rec league basketball gets real intense. Um, but I was going up for a layup. Dude just fouled the mess out of me, and I landed on that outstretched hand. That's how it, it's called a foosh, F-O-O-S-H, fall on outstretched hand. Really good way to break the scaphoid. Um, I, I'm almost certain that's the bone that's injured. I, again, I don't. Um, Pete Carroll doesn't tell us anything, so <laughs> I can't say that for certain. Yeah, good point. But um, but that's probably the bone that was fractured. And with that, this is actually really good outcomes that he is going to be back this quick. I, I I don't think he's playing week one, but maybe week three. But sometimes with the scaphoid, like David Johnson, it's. 12, 16 weaker. Um, so this is actually pretty good outcome for, in, you know, comparing to what it could have been for JSN. Yeah. That's just, you, you know, you talked about Pete Carroll being uh, not that straightforward. And I saw the way he fell. I was in a cast for five months. They, they were yeah. like, 
Yeah, they were like, there's a chance you know, get the poor blood flow in there. And they're like, mm-hmm. your whole wrist could fuse, honestly. Yes. You could lose movement. And I'm a golfer, so I was very worried about that. He's still good, there, don't worry. So. so it depends <laughs> on like what part of the scaphoid broke. Parts of it gets good blood supply. Parts of it doesn't. Um, and that's going to dictate. Uh, also, like how bad the fracture is, is going to dictate things, too. Well, it's really interesting. Okay. Um, let's get some quarterback information. Um, let's just go with the one we don't even know about. And that's Kyler Murray. Um, he may be back this season. He may not be back this season. Uh, Tom, do you think he's going to be back this season? Yeah, I think he'll play this year. I don't think it'll be for the first like quarter of the season. Um, it's interesting. We really have not heard anything in weeks on, on the Kyler Murray front. Um, but if we think, Time of surgery to week one, that's eight months and seven days for Kyler. We like to see minimum nine months. I know that recently players are returning faster. Chris Godwin, eight and a half last year. Michael Gallup, seven and a half last year. That was insanely fast, but also he did not play well. I could go on for days about that. Um, But Kyler will be eight months, seven days to week one, faster than we like to see. Kyler's a running quarterback. He's going to have a hard time getting back to that elite scrambling ability in at least the first half of the season by the end of the season. Yeah. He's probably gonna be running pretty well, probably still not as well as he was before he got injured, but also it's his right leg that was injured. He's a right-handed quarterback. So he pushes off his right leg for throw power. So I think there's just a lot that he needs to be able to do before he can play that. It doesn't sound like he's there yet. It doesn't sound like, He's going to miss the whole season. I think week five, six is probably about what we're looking at. But also, this team's going to stink. It's going to stink. Yes. So, how motivated is he to get back on the field? I don't know. I'm not saying he's well, not. And then how, how, how much do they want him on the field? Because right. if they're trying to lose, I mean, why put right. a variable that might actually lead to some wins? So, yeah. Right. I mean, right. So, I think they are probably having an internal discussion. Is Kyler our guy for the future, or is uh, Caleb Williams our guy for the future, right. potentially? But it won't be injury-related if they make that decision. And they'll come out and tell us that, right? They would have to let us know that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. He's Fair not enough. the legal guy. He's the injury well, I just guy. didn't want him to be like in December, and they're like, you know, he still has an ECL. Like, what? How I mean, that that's not out of the question. Like, every all ACLs are not created equal. Some people – Really, it takes them a full year to even be able to play football or more. Um, I mean, Jarek McKinnon, two years. Uh, so th- yeah, there's a yeah, lot of true. variabilities. Um, from what I was hearing a month ago, which is like the most recent <laughs> news on Kyler, it sounded yeah. like week five, six was realistic. But again, we haven't heard anything, which could be good, could be bad. We don't know. Well, if they were going to trade him, I'm assuming they would want to come out and say, like, yeah, he is completely healthy. No worries. You should trade. Yeah. Him. And and I think if that's their plan, they want him to be on the field, at least for a, a few game. games to, yeah, to show games. that he's healthy. Hmm. So I, I'm over. I'm over talking about the Cardinals. Um, so I'm going to talk <laughs> about a well uh, more known and cared about quarterback out there. 
which was Joe Burrow, which uh, yeah. obviously everyone, everyone in the fantasy community and football community, just in general, like watching football is better with Joe Burrow. I don't care if you're a, a Ravens fan or a Steelers fan, you still want to see Joe Burrow healthy. Hopefully at least hopefully you're not a terrible person, but uh, just in general, like we all thought this could have been ACL the way it looked, it looked real bad. Uh, found out it was a calf strain. They said out several weeks, I believe was how they worded that. Um, I mean, week one's got to be doubt. Like, it's not just a, oh, he could make it or whatever. Like, what is this going to look like? Is this also going to be a recurring injury situation for Joe Burrow? Obviously, fortunately, he doesn't have to run as much. I mean, he's still kind of a mobile quarterback and can make those plays. But what do you, what is the outlook of the beginning of the season look like for Joe Burrow? Um, actually, I think it's looking pretty good. I, th- I really do. At first, it looked it looked bad, and and you know that they brought the card out in practice, like we were just <laughs> talking about. <laughs> but him, I, I think he actually needed the card, though. Yeah. Um, but a week, a little, even over a week ago now, we saw him warming up in the preseason game, and that was a really good glimpse at where he's at. What we saw that I liked is he was loading through that ankle. What I mean by that is. He was allowing the the ankle to bend, and when it does that, the calf takes on quite a bit of force, and it has to be able to to do that in order to load off the back leg. Because again, it's his right leg, right-handed quarterback pushes off his right leg, and then he powered through that ankle to create the push off, which is a lot of calf action there. And he was throwing 30, 40 yards not looking like a problem at all. There was no deviations in his mechanics whatsoever. Um, he looked really good to me and, you know, he wasn't throwing 60. I didn't, I didn't see at least I saw him throwing about 30 to 40, but everything looked fine. And that was over a week ago. So another week of rehab is where he's at now. Another two until the season starts. I think he's going to be out there. I think he's going to be a hundred percent slightly increased chance for re-injury a calf's carry about a 14 to 16 percent recurrence rate but he's a quarterback so he doesn't need to run all that much if this was lamar jackson justin fields jalen hurts josh allen a little more concerned but calm down he, with jalen hurts man let's not be bringing up oh, kind of stuff. I, oh I, I i don't want anything to happen to my guy jalen i love him all right all right um, cool we're good i'm sorry <laughs> but uh but you know burrow is not going to be running for 80 yards so his, the likelihood of him having a subsequent injury is lower than if he was a running quarterback or a running back or a receiver. So I said this on, on my show uh, or sometime this week on someone's show um, that, <laughs> that I think you could draft him today how you would have pre-injury. Like, I don't think we need to, to be overly concerned about it. I'm actually kind of hoping he takes a dip because me and Joe were having a whole conversation the other day about how that that the four through six quarterbacks just go way too early. And then like you're left with maybe Trevor Lawrence. Uh, right. And then it's basically the top seven are gone. And then it's like, I'm not even touching it. But like, I also don't want to draft a quarterback in the third round. I would not be upset getting yeah. Trevor Lawrence. So. Oh, yeah. You know, I think Lawrence is the last like top tier person. Yeah, Billy got our, him in our league somehow in like the ninth tenth round. round. Yeah, wow. it's wild. Wow, it's insane. Yeah, on it's only show, a um, on our show there today, fantasy injury team podcast. We did a segment where we um we picked we predicted who will finish number one at their position at each um position, and then Trevor Lawrence was my guy. That's amazing. That's, yeah, I 
I, there's awesome. definitely a chance. I, I'm, I think we're all hoping for Ridley for a good comeback. I mean, oh my god, I, I'm the betting so thing excited aside, for Ridley. The year of his mental health issues, like I, I just feel yeah. bad for the guy. And then after that, to, to really get dinged with the gambling situation. So, yeah, not so injury related about his well, toe. Calvin his Ridley. toe uh, initially there was, was a concern, but I mean, like we've seen him in multiple videos since, and he looks mm-hmm. so explosive. So yes, he does. It's not really concerned. <laughs> yeah, I just I just wanted to get that one out there. Um, I I'm gonna switch it to IDP real quick, uh, sure. just because I, you know, Jordan Brooks he had the torn quad, torn ACL. Um, is it? Uh, we're getting mixed reports that he might play, but when you're an offensive player, you kind of know where you're going. When right. you're dealing with a defensive player that has to react, does yes. that take longer? Yes. For yes. Yes. To get yes. his okay. Awesome. That is the um, I think that's the part of ACL rehab that the average fan doesn't doesn't see. Uh, so what we, we talked about with Brees Hall, he was hitting 23 miles an hour, like six, seven months post-op. That's a lot. I mean, that's still amazing, by the way. That's amazing. But that's a lot easier to get than the change of direction. And exactly like you're saying, a defensive player is constantly reacting. And Jordan Brooks will be seven months, 22 days to week one. That is way fast and again this is pete carroll telling us that he's going to be good to go so i i can't i can't unless he's like the hardest worker in the world which he very well could be i don't know the guy um i would very much doubt that he's playing at 100 percent in the start of the season and honestly probably not even through the entire season uh, that's just such a late surgery his, gen- his surgery was january 19th that's just so late it's just purely from a time standpoint, it's going to be hard for him to be hundred percent this season. Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay. Well, let's keep on IDP. Uh, Shaq Leonard has kind of always been the guy who's always coming back from injury. He's had several back injuries that have really kept him kind of out and kind of a mystery to all of us. So do you think that Shaquille Leonard will be back in better than ever, Tom? So the issue last year, he had the disc herniation, um, which he then, I believe, had a second procedure for. And he was saying that while he was playing, he just didn't have that power, didn't have that same strength and all that. What the disc herniation does or can do is it can compress the nerves that send the signal to the muscles in the lower body. He was specifically citing the calf. And that's a very, very common thing to have happen. Um, when a nerve is compressed, it's, I want you guys to imagine you're in the mountains or somewhere very rural that does not have great cell phone reception and you're on your phone and you're like, why the hell is everything taking so long to load? Is there anything wrong with your phone? No, it's just not getting good signal. So when a nerve is compressed from a disc injury, the muscles that are affected are not going to be able to create as much power. They're not going to be as strong. Therefore, you're not going to be as good of an athlete. That's what he struggled with last year. It sounds like that's all better now. Sounds like he was saying that he's got his power back. He's got all his strength back. So the nerve is likely not compressed anymore. So I think he could play at a very, very high level like we we know him to. Um, is there an increased risk for re-injury? Yeah, to some degree, because if we think about what a disc is, I think we've all heard the jelly donut analogy, not the greatest analogy, but we'll roll with it. Um, But basically 
when the disc injury happens, part of the bread or the dough gets ripped and the jelly starts squirting out and the jelly pushes on the nerve. The surgeries, they go and clean up the jelly, but the bread, it may repair to some degree, but it's not as strong as it once was. So he sure he could be prone to more disc injuries. We've definitely seen that happen before. I've seen it quite a bit in my practice. Um, but while he's actually, if that doesn't happen, he should be able to play at a high level. Hmm. Another your, uh, analogy. Uh, these analogies are awesome. <laughs> the yeah, Joe's, I'm hungry. Joe's now. literally like the doll that you hold up and you're like, what? Yeah, it's really not the best analogy, but it's one that I think people understand and it's it's fairly fairly common makes a lot of sense yeah, it'll be good to see a season from him um it's just fun watching him play it's fun having him on your team getting a lot of points and it helps I the bet. Colts for sure especially with all it the is. pandemonium on over there all right let's keep it in idp jamal adams he was activated from the pup list today but he has been off injured these last couple of years uh, do you see him coming back to 100% possibly? So he, uh, what an amazing player he was at the beginning of his career. Like just he could do everything. A stat sheet stuffer, just so fun to watch, passionate, smart player. The quad tendon is a major injury, and that's what he dealt with last year. The um, It's very, very hard to ever fully regain strength and power. If anybody can do it, it's a professional football player like Jamal Adams. Um, but I just think it would be more likely that he doesn't fully regain his, his speed and power than he does. But, I mean, again, it's not impossible. It's just very, very hard to do. I think he's going to have to rely more on his awareness, which is his, just his, his football IQ, which he's outstanding. So mm-hmm. he certainly could still be a good player, but probably not what he was prior to this injury, at least for this season. It's kind of a bummer to hear because it really is he's get, like he's getting up there and, you know, I think Dan Jamal Adams, I still feel like Seattle lost that trade really hard. Uh, yeah, kind of feels that they lost that, that trade, which is funny because at the time we thought the Jets lost. They were giving yeah, away a good player. And now here are the Jets them. with like, a ridiculous team that like we're super excited, but confused about, which is really funny going into the season (laughs) for sure. Um, All right. We have a couple more players that we need to get, or we would like to get to a couple of late round guys. Uh, Let's just have the Kadarius Tony conversation. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Look, he's been injured more than he's actually played in games. It felt like, so what, what is up with this guy? Can he just, is he injury prone? Can we just put him that? Oh boy. Um, so I wrote a whole article specifically on Kadarius Tony on the fantasy injury team.com. Um, one of the most fun players to watch. I truly mean that except when he's returning punts against my Eagles in the Super Bowl. outside of that, he's fun to watch, but (laughs) we know, we know that we cannot predict injury. That is not the terminology that you will ever hear coming from me. What you will hear, though, is risk factors for injury. We do, in the medical literature, have some identified risk factors, some stronger than others. The two strongest risk factors for injury are age, which that's that's not a problem with Tony. He's 24. Age is okay. The other is prior injury. Let me let me read his injury list. (laughs) October 2017, shoulder injury, missed one game. This is college. 
November 2017, shoulder injury, missed rest of that game. September uh, September 2019, shoulder injury, missed six games. Now in the NFL, October 2021, ankle sprain, didn't miss any time for that one. October 2021, another ankle sprain, missed one game. November 2021, quad strain, missed four games. December 2021, abdominal injury, missed three games. August 2021, hamstring injury, missed a bunch of training camp. December 2021, shoulder injury, missed two games. May, uh, I think I'm actually missing a hamstring. Oh, no, that's the next season. May 2022, knee cleanup. That was in May, just so we didn't miss any games. August 2022, hamstring injury. Initially didn't miss time, but ended up missing weeks three through seven. November 2022, hamstring injury. Re-aggravation of the prior one. Missed three more games. This offseason, knee cleanup. Already has the meniscus injury uh, this season. His list is... It almost sounds like a like a rap sheet for like the most wanted criminal, but injury, yeah, like, I yeah. met my injury match, dude. Finally, yeah, he's did. definitely got more. He did, Andy's done you, it a faster time than you. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, like the problem I have here not only is the the pure number of injuries in such a short period of time, but that a lot of them are have recurred the ankle sprains the hamstrings the knee cleanouts it's we're seeing the same injury over and over and over again which is telling us that those tissues are not able to tolerate an NFL load so i have a very hard time relying on him in anything other than best ball and in best ball it's like all right cool maybe i'll get a couple games where he produces so awesome. do not draft Kadarius Tony is what you're saying. In redraft, I would not. It's probably not it, which we I feel like we've been talking well, about. We're trying to figure out who the wide receiver one for Kansas City is. Everybody yeah, just immediately awesome. penciled Tony in, and I, based on your rap sheet, there's no way in the world I could predict he's going to be the wide receiver one for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, for a game or two, he might. I always root for these guys. I'm I'm hopeful that they can figure out whatever kind of training program, diet program, whatever they need to do to stay out on the field. But until he proves me wrong, which I hope he does, I'm not picking him. That's fair enough. Um, do you guys have any more? Because I definitely can keep going on my list. I feel like we've gotten – I mean, one thing I'd want to talk about is just like the occurrence. I feel like we kind of touched on this either before we got on or right as we were started starting, but like – the occurrences of the Achilles injuries and kind of like the James Robinson's cam Akers, Tim Patrick. Uh, I feel like this has been a relatively new phenomenon in the NFL. And is this something that was just underdiagnosed in the past, or is this something that's just a, a weird coincidence almost? Uh, it's definitely not underdiagnosed. It's, it really can't be misdiagnosed. It's, it's obvious if, if you tell okay, your fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It's it's not like we don't have a whole like uh, Norse theology, uh, you know, story about the Achilles injuries. So. I know, right? <laughs> Greek Greek mythology. My bad. Um, I, I, I think it. I mean, it is a more rare-ish injury. Um, I, I I haven't looked at that a past twenty seventeen, um, but there's really not a lot of people on the list, and and also not a lot of prominent names on the list. Um, but I mean, it's an injury that's been happening for as, as long as time. I mean, Arian Foster's one from back, uh, several years ago. Um, I mean, the whole, the list is on fantasy. No, there's definitely like Richard Sherman had yeah. one too. And yeah. I mean, there's just, 
I just feel like there's been a recent spike in it. And it's almost like it's kind of strange these last like three years. It seems like more prominent names are having the the issues, which I mean, obviously that's just bias, fancy football people. But in, in general, like I don't know, I, obviously it's probably not like a actual cause that you can diagnose, but like it's almost a little strange to me, like where they're coming from. And I mean, it's a serious injury. I mean, you're out for oh, yeah. a year plus, obviously. Yeah, it's the, it's the most serious injury. Well, unless it's like, you know, there's nerve damage and blood vessel damage, but purely orthopedic, it's the worst injury. Yeah. So is there hope that Tariq Cohen makes a comeback after the ACL and the Achilles? That's a brutal combination. Um, Brutal. I mean, Clay Thompson did it, but that's a completely different sport. So you can't really compare the two. Um, I think it's a very uphill challenge for him, especially because his game was built on changing direction. And that's the hardest thing to get back with both those injuries is changing. Was it the same leg or was it opposite legs? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know if Joe knew that because I know Sterling Sterling Shepherds were the same. Sterling um, Shepherd. Yeah. That, That poor guy. That yeah. poor guy. I love Sterling Shepard too. You got him hanging up back there. Yeah, I didn't. That's yeah, literally his OU jersey right there. That's funny. I love Sterling Shepard, and like, I just, I would have loved to see what his career would look like if he was just like ninety percent healthy instead of ten percent healthy. Sorry, that's. I just dropped Tariq Cohen. I picked him up the other day when I saw the news player. <laughs> Tom's like, nah, dog. <laughs> no, I, just, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's there. Yeah. I was sad because he had that workout video and he tore it live on live. The video. Like oh. that just hurts, dog. Like he's like, "Hey, man, I'm back." And then it was like, just oh, brutal. Brutal. the worst possible thing. It's, it's, it definitely was rough. All right, Tom. Well, I have two more for you that people are actually probably going to draft, not the treat cones of the world. Um, <laughs> Dalvin Cook. He's six months out from his shoulder surgery. I know he's going to become a dad, so that's also kind of delayed his actual practice time with New York, but. Uh, do you see him being able to start uh, week one? Oh, yeah, for sure. So Dalvin, his shoulder was dislocating for years. So it was about damn time he had the surgery. <laughs> that's why he had the surgeries is when the labrum's torn, you're so much more likely to have that shoulder popping out frequently. Um, and the labrum repair stabilizes it. The surgery does really well. So I, I'm not concerned about his shoulder whatsoever. Um, I was going to say something else about him and I don't remember, but I'm not. So are you about telling him. me that a trainer was on the sideline and get Dalvin kept coming over like uh, doc that it, it popped again and he was just having to pop it back into place. Probably. I, I don't know if it was that frequent, but I know he <laughs> missed, but possibly um, he definitely missed multiple games over the past two years because of the shoulder dislocating. That was Madison's time to shine too. Mm-hmm. Sure was. Um, all right, and then I just have to mention Joe's favorite wide receiver, Traylon Burks, um, yeah. LCL injury. Can you kind of explain how long it's going to take for him to come back and be at full strength too? Yeah, weird injury to happen by itself. We do not see that very often where it's just the LCL. It's usually the ACL and the LCL. So c- kind of interesting, but also good that the ACL wasn't involved. Um and, but also hard to kind of give an ex- like a good prognosis because this really doesn't happen by itself too much. But the issue would be getting the swelling down, the pain down, the range of motion back, and the strength back, which if it's a grade one or two, which it sounds like it is with him, should be you know no more than four to six weeks. And I 
because of how the knee is structurally, I don't see this as a major risk for re-injury because the ACL is the primary passive stabilizer of the knee. The LCL has right. its role and it's important as well. And it gets stressed with cutting, but not to the degree where I would expect it to become re-aggravated easily without a very intense, unique hit that would injure the knee anyway. So gotcha. I'm not that concerned for a re-injury. And I think probably by week three, four, we're seeing him produce pretty well. And what I was saying on our show last night that aired today is he's the type of player that you're probably not drafting to start week one anyway. Right. So I think that there's actually a value here if he starts to slide in drafts because by week three, four, I think he's going to be just about 100%. And um, if you can get him two rounds later than where he was going, boom, you just got yourself yeah, value. So- so what you're saying is there's no probably easing him back in when he comes back in, like he's ready to go. There's not like a, he's going to be on a pitch count kind of thing. He's probably there may, going to be out there playing hundred percent. Well, there, there may be, but probably by week three, four, that's, that's fine. But, but also I think we need to consider this holistically. If you're, if your plan is for him to be either a bi-week fill in that could bust into like a, like a, a starter, weekly starter, but if you have three receivers that you picked ahead of him, that's fine to wait for if they ease him back into things. Oh, yeah, especially as ADP right now. I mean, you it's a steal as it is. So It was already a steal, and the injury just – I know. It literally season. made it better. It's true. He's down a wide receiver 42 right now. Yeah, that's Which that's value there. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I think everyone like also – it, it was literally Burks was already down low and you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Maybe he's the only guy who will catch the ball. DeAndre Hopkins goes there. He drops down 10 spots ADP. Like, oh, Hopkins is going to do everything. Traylon Burks won't do anything. Then the injury, like, I mean, it's just another 10. I mean, it, Traylon Burks is just absolutely free right now. Yeah, we did a uh, breakout video the other day and I went on on Traylon Burks. I think the next day was the LCL. <laughs> Like, oh, <laughs> always happens like that. Yeah, very unfortunate. I'm not right, allowed Tom, to talk we'll... about players anymore. Yeah. Before we get before we get you out of here, is there anybody that we haven't talked about so far that you would like to just mention? Just maybe somebody that, like, I don't know, Terry McLaurin. I don't know something that we maybe haven't brought up that you would like to talk about. Um, we could talk about McLaurin. Um, so he's one where, with the turf toe injury, that definitely has the potential to be an issue season long, but it sounds like his is very mild. And what I'm going off of, well, one, that's what the report well, They carted saying. him off. So, I mean, it was, but so Rivera said the MRI hardly showed anything that to me is, is good news because if it would have shown something more severe, then we're looking at a, a longer, absence and we're looking at more impact on function so with the turf toe it's the tissue injuries to the tissues that are underneath your big toe they get stressed quite a bit with running because the big toe bends up about 90 degrees with running and those tissues need to be intact to tolerate that to prevent the toe from just flop flipping up onto the front of the side of your foot oh. um and it helps create power for push off for running mm-hmm. so that's why when it's a more severe turf toe, we see guys missing a lot of time. They come back, they don't play well. If it's mild, we're looking at more like a Calvin Ridley situation where Ridley's was probably more mild than um, McLaurin's, 
But, I mean, he looks great right now. So I do think that it would be smart for Washington to take it slow with him and not rush him back. But if And if they can do that, if they can wait till week two, week three, we can see him playing really, really effective football. And just like what we talked about with Burks, this injury might actually cause him to slide down in drafts, therefore making him a value. I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping for that very much because I'm already hearing that he might. he's probably going to miss week one, which, I mean – for the people that don't really pay attention to fantasy football, that's like, well, not drafting him. Can't do it. A lot of people already one. don't like McLaurin. Going to miss one week. Yeah. yeah, but he plays for Washington. Can't do it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got, yeah, you got to decide how much you like Sam Howell, too, which he actually looked pretty good the other night. Looks pretty solid. Number These one, not worried fans. about Sam Howell. Number two, Brissett's there, and he made Amari Cooper and Peoples-Jones wide receivers last year. So if Maybe. Sam Howell does bad enough, McLaurin's getting that's his work. True. Yeah, after true. McLaurin got hurt, he did target John Dotson five times in a row, though. I so. like John oh, Dotson. If McLaurin's long. out, oh, it's yeah. Dotson's season. All okay, so I, on DraftKings, John Dotson for week one is 5K. Um, which is a, I mean, that's a lot. Can I put that in right now? He is about to say, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and monitor that, that right down right now uh, for DraftKings. I've already got about right. five lineups built with him. So nice. I love that, Joe. Yeah, you, that, that's degeneracy right there, and we love that here on this podcast. <laughs> I'm a degenerate, man. Honestly, I love the degeneracy of, like, dropping in one of our leagues while we're live on the air. I just love everything. Yeah, that is that is the Joe special right there. Don't I pay am attention. a degenerate, man. I'm doing my dynasty team while we're doing this. He's 28 um, anyway, so it. my Leo DiCaprio. Um, yeah, he was yeah, I was about to say, you were too old. Probably already <laughs> on his way out before he even got there. Um, all right. Well, Tom, it was amazing to have you on today, man. Thank you so much for coming on and educating all three of us and the rest of the audience on all of these injuries because we're all drafting in the next week and a half or so. So this is really important information this time of year. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Yeah, I don't want to be biased, but this helped me more than it probably – well, it probably still helped the listeners, but I'm very happy that it helped, <laughs> helped me. Glad, yeah. I, glad I could help. Yeah, this that's, is just fascinating stuff to me. It, it really is. And to hear you talk about your knowledge on the subject and how it affects what we love to do in fantasy football, man, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. For sure. I, I, we're I, we're I, probably going to be bugging you throughout the season, Tom, to come back please on. Please do. And, uh, check maybe, we need, maybe we do a mid-season check-in, kind of just uh, go sure. through the patients that are on the on the board. The patients. So. <laughs> patients. You're not even kidding uh, yeah. for Happy sure. to come so, on anytime. I can yeah, talk do you about go ahead this and, stuff. I could talk about this stuff literally all day. Like it's it's so nerdy, but I just I'm so fascinated by anatomy and all, all these injuries and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. It's crazy that you got like you have the profession that you do, you know, a job, and then you get to do it on the <laughs> side as well as like one of your hobbies. That's just that's kind of fun. Perfect side um, gig, really yeah. is. So you want to throw out your socials one more time just so people can follow you? Yeah, so you can follow me me personally at Fantasy Injury T. It's the letter T. You can follow the Fantasy Injury Team at Injury underscore Fantasy. And you can follow us on YouTube at Fantasy Injury Team, Instagram, Fantasy Injury Team. And, of course, our podcast, the Fantasy Injury Team, available on all platforms. And then there's the FantasyInjuryTeam.com website as well. Spoiler oh, alert, man. it's just, the fantasy injury team. Which is so interesting. <laughs> Go check it out. Yes, Joe did a deep dive, and he yeah. has found one of his new favorite sites. So I yeah, love it. I, there's a couple other tabs there, Joe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, to get us out of here, I'm going to close this out tonight, and I'm just going to say, Tom, go birds. Go birds. Good night.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.